Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of The Simon Law Firm, Tim Cronin, personal injury trial attorney at The Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm Tim Cronin. I'm John Simon. The title of this episode is going to be called Deadlocked. And what I wanted to talk about is I've noticed an increasing trend, both for cases our firm has tried. John, you've had a couple in the last year. Another lawyer has had at least one recently at our firm. And I've talked to a lot of other lawyers that have seen this increasing trend of, of deadlocked hung juries that just cannot reach a result. It's a You know, another example or symptom of the polarization in our country, I think, of people just do facts matter to a lot of the people that that end up on the jury that, you know, that will not talk or negotiate with the other side to try to figure out what the truth is. I I probably have not had a deadlocked jury in 10 years. And two of the last three cases I've tried to verdict this year, two of the last three were deadlocked after two days of deliberations by the jury. Both were, you know, we talked to the jersey afterwards, both, get this, were, were, were eight to four in our favor. Uh, and, you know, we need nine in Missouri. And after two days of deliberations, not a single person changed their vote. And I just, you know, this is something that I'm still trying to figure out. And my understanding is, came in at the beginning of deliberations before anyone talked and expressed to the others that there's nothing anyone could say to them to ever change their mind. Right. And one was one was a medical malpractice case, won't get into the name because it needs to be retried, but it was one of the one of the jurors who were there's a couple of them that were against us told the other jurors, you know, they weren't even holding back. They just, you know, said that uh, we shouldn't be in here second guessing doctors. And I don't know what the hell they're doing on a jury in a med mal case when we ask about that. Well, we, and we did ask about that at length. I think I think we saw it before. I used to always say that some jurors made up their mind before they left their house, you know, about your case. But you can usually, you know, if you do a decent for diary, you can figure out who those folks are and, and get them open and talking and at least be able to identify them, maybe get them off for cause or get them off with your peremptory strike. But I think this is a little bit beyond that. I think we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're not finding out who they are in Vordire with the same question. Yeah, I mean, there are folks who you can tell the sides are trying to identify people that they don't want on the jury and have them say things that will get them off their cause. And some subset of people figure that out and they're not going to let you do it because they want to get on the jury if... For example, you have a med mal case and they hate them. So why why more now? Why is it happening more now than two, three, five, seven years ago? I, I mean, I have personal opinions about that. I think people are emboldened by not having to acknowledge facts that completely prove their position to be baseless and are emboldened to just say, I don't care. This is what I think. I'm not doing it. And, and just not engage in any discussion. With anybody that, on the that other was side. the thing. That was, you know, both both cases, both the, uh, you know, deadlocked juries that we had from talking to them extensively afterwards, they they said exactly that that the minority, you know, just decided cross no longer cross her. I'm just wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't discuss it. They wouldn't debate it. 
uh, when you know when facts were brought up, they just were like, "Don't you know? I I, I don't, don't agree. I don't care. Whatever." <laughs> yeah, not not so fake news. You know, I guess the one thing is what's causing it, but the other important question is what what do you as in the trial or what what can you do about it? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, Johnny and I had the same basic issue. We ended up getting over the hump. It was also a med mal trial a couple of years ago. We ended up getting a verdict nine three. But it was after they reported to the judge, after deliberating for six, seven hours, multiple times that they were deadlocked, were never reaching a verdict. The judge gave an Allen charge and made clear they were going to come back the next day. And one guy flipped, but it clearly compromised the number. But the other three, it's it ends up in like almost violent levels of of screaming at each other between these groups. As I I've never been back in deliberations, but from my talking to them, where where three or four of them came in and said, we should not be judging doctors. I like my doctor. I'm just, ne- I'm never, ever finding against a doctor. And they, those people did not respond to the questions I asked at Wadir truthfully. And then they, you could hear them yelling at each other from the courtroom back in the deliberations room. And then after the verdict, when one person flipped to get, I think to get out of there, the three jurors who disagreed and wanted the defense verdict, like came out and accused made an accusation of doing extrinsic research, which the court found was not credible and then went up on appeal. It's getting to the point where it, and Missouri is one of the states where you don't need unanimous for civil. And it's get, like, we're having, we're having this issue no matter how good the evidence is in some cases. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know a solution except courts more willingly spending even more time in voir dire and courts more willingly granting cause strikes and having bigger panels. Yeah. Maybe that's a, that's a start. Uh, I'm just it seems to me that the you know the inability to compromise and communicate and, and discuss matters you know in, in society in general has is you know carrying over into what's going on in in the uh, jury room and why yeah. why wouldn't it I guess it, it's you know? not I mean it's natural that it does right so here, here's another angle to, to think about or talk about what's the law in terms of how far can a court go how far can the judge go in you know pushing or pressing the you know the jury to come to a verdict without it being coerced or whatever the whatever the standard is and i'm not sure of that and so those are called allen charges right and it dates back to some case that must have been titled allen they're also called hammer instructions and there is not an approved instruction in Missouri on it. I used to think there was, and I think maybe there used to be. And it's a really delicate line, but it's gonna it comes down to the court's discretion, I think, of what I think the court has the ability to just make it clear that like we would like you to reach a verdict um, and be willing to support your positions with jurors and you're gonna stay here until you can. But there's some kind of vaguely drawn line where it becomes coercion and courts are very you know, reticent to to cross that line because it you know it could refer it could reverse the if they do reach a verdict you're coming back anyway. I mean, in our in our case, we sent notes a couple notes with the you know the hammer instruction, yeah. and then finally after the the second day at the end of the second day of deliberations, uh, the judge called the jurors in and asked the foreperson if there was any, uh, and they ba- in their notes they basically said we are help, hopelessly deadlocked, no no you know no chance of, you know, getting any compromise or resolution. Yeah. And what he did is he asked the foreperson, uh, do you believe that, um, you know, there's any benefit 
of continuing with the deliberations? Is there any chance of some resolution or coming to a verdict? And uh, you know, the answer was no, and and then you know that was it. And it was interesting. One of one of the jurors uh, just got up and walked. I mean, bolted out of there. And the rest, everybody, the rest of them, you know, stuck around and 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 talked to us. It was clear that the the holdouts were sort of of the opinion that the facts really didn't matter, or the facts really weren't the facts. Just basically, not not debating them, but just saying, I ain't going there. Yeah. And it's difficult to come to a solution because you're not supposed to then, the court is not supposed to weigh into, and you can't record or anything, the details of deliberations, right? They're like sacrosanct. You're not supposed to get into why people thought certain things, but at some point you kind of have to when when you have people on the jury who are just refusing to deliberate and come in and go, I'm never finding for the plaintiff no matter what. And I don't care what the jury yeah, instructions And, and you know, part say. of that, too, and I, I've, I've done this before, and I, I didn't do it in either of the, you know, the, the deadlocked jury cases, but I've, I've done this in, in close where, you know, I explain to them what the law is, and if somebody isn't following it, they should send a note to the yeah. judge through the bailiff saying, you know, juror number whoever isn't following the law. You have a right to have your fellow jurors follow the law. Follow the law. Right, right. right. The court can't coerce that person. Right. In extreme circumstances. Now, I had I had a, a case years ago, a long time ago, where one of the jurors was being outvoted, you know, figured out that unless all 12 are in the jury room, they cannot deliberate. Yeah. And so that juror uh, wouldn't go in the room. And the, the finally we got a note back from the foreperson saying juror number eight, it, you know, won't come in the room and we can't deliberate. And so we, we brought juror number eight down. And I remember the judge telling the juror that you had a choice to either go in the room and sit there, you go to jail. Need to, or go to jail. You can. You don't need to talk. You don't need to do anything. You can lay on the floor if you want, but you got to go back in that room while while the deliberations are taking place. And he still refused to do it. And I think the judge had him. You know, he may have had him cuffed to one of the chairs in the jury in the jury box. And we went we went with eleven, but he was he was still he was like, look, I'd rather go to jail. I'm not going up there to. He was that dug in on the issue that he was willing to face jail as a possible consequence and not, instead of going up into the jury room and being outvoted. I mean, that's how, how you know, emotional or, you know, the the deliberations had become. You know, that jury was out over two days. They came back the second day. We ended up getting a verdict in the case. Turns out the guy was on, seemed like he was with us, whatever, but he didn't go to jail. He just sat in the jury box while everybody else yeah. was deliberating. But, you know, that was, you know, that's once in, 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 in a career something like that happens now it seems like I didn't have this problem for the first you know 10 12 years I was practicing and now I'm seeing it I've had it where we were having the problem and now I've seen you've had two and he's had, had one we had two last week we've had two <laughs> we've had two last week uh, another you know attorney and Amy in our office was working with uh, other attorneys on a, on a on a case and so within days within two days of each other both were two week uh, product liability cases. You know, different ones. Hugely expensive cases. Right. I mean, it's right. very prejudicial to retry them. I'd be interested to see statistics on this, and I'd be interested to talk to, like, prosecutors and criminal defense lawyers about it. I don't, I don't know how anybody can expect a jury to reach a unanimous verdict 
Well, I would, I would think it happens. Almost anything. Yeah, I think it, it, it happens a whole lot more in the criminal, don't you think, with the I would unanimous think. verdict? Yeah, I would think so. In federal court, everything's unanimous verdict. And there's some, you know, Illinois is even in civil, it's unanimous. But in criminal, I bet it happens all the time. So then, you know, once the, the jury is deadlocked and a mistrial is declared, and then, you know, the next step is retrying the case. And retrying the case means getting another trial setting. And, you know, that isn't the next week or the next month. Based on everybody's trial calendars, you're looking at a 12-month delay, you know, or eight months at, at best to get it back on the, on the uh, you know, on the trial calendar. And then I, I think I've done this twice. I think I've retried a case twice. And I, it, I literally have two now in the spring that I will be trying back to back for the for the second time. But, you know, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. If so, Tim, I, I can feel your pain. I, I, I worry greatly that we're seeing the wider world spill into the courtroom, which has got to be what's happening. I mean, obviously, these yeah. people are living in the real world. And we've got a lot of problems everywhere now with people unable or unwilling or afraid to talk to each other. There's a there's a new book uh, by Greg Lukianoff, the uh, president of FIRE, and Ricky Schlott, a reporter. It's called The Canceling of the American Mind. And what they, what they found is that Americans are engaging in all kinds of tactics to avoid the content of the discussion. Whatever yeah. the topic is, they're not addressing the topic. They're attacking each other. Yeah. Or doing and whataboutism. Where you where you change it to well you did this I'm like well that's there's, how we're talking there's many techniques yeah. on this and they broke it down conservatives tend to have a, a one size fits all approach which is that you're a liberal and that's my excuse for not listening to you yeah and liberals will have various tactics that amount to ad hominem attacks of, of a wide variety of flavors like you're a bad person or you hang around with bad people or you belong to an organization that has other bad people in it or and what it amounts to is that. We can't talk because the conversations get sidetracked with all kinds of dumb stuff. Anything your side says is invalid, no matter what. Yeah. If you present me with evidence, it is it is fake evidence. And that was a, a successor book in, in yeah. a way to The Coddling of the American Mind, which had um, set forth three, they called them the three great untruths. And one of those was to act on your feelings, yeah. not on the facts. So if you're acting on your feelings, then there's no negotiation because your feelings are what they are. I mean, I think this harkens back to the creation of, of cable news <laughs> personally. Nobody listens to, like, objective news anymore. They listen to the echo chamber of whatever it is they want to hear. And we have algorithms on online for social media where people only see and hear. Like, they, they can tell by what you click on and read on your devices what, it, what your mindset is. We, we have, your ideology is, and you only see that, and anything else anyone says just isn't true. We've organized pretty uh, tightly in the teams in America, and aligned with the two political parties for the most part. And once you're on a team, you know you're, you get yeah. these tribal impulses, and and it might be that a lot of that spilling into the into the courtroom. I've I've got a, a, a recent example. I'm I recently co-founded a nonprofit, and we put an ad out. And, and the neighborhood list listserv to say we're having a meeting if anyone wants to come out and hear about the most recent mm -hmm. United States Supreme Court cases on free speech come on out well we're going to discuss them then my comments were things like this I hope you fail that was a 500 word essay but I hope you fail why would I want to go out and hear a bunch of fascist lawyers talk about anything 
Uh, we were called Russians and Nazis and, uh, you know, the, the yeah. gamut. And we hadn't even said anything. We just said, come on out. We, we are believers in the First Amendment. We'd love to talk. And I thought, man, is there hope for America? Because it, and, and not everybody said that. And, and, of course, the loud people are the ones that step up and say these kinds of things. I'm hoping most people are more reasonable. But there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. And, and people are writing tons of books about it. FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Experience, they've had an expanded mission now. They do surveys about colleges where professors are afraid to talk about various topics. Students, I think 50% of students overall, yeah. afraid to raise their hand and give their opinions on topics that are being addressed in the course. This is a huge overall problem in the United States about people being afraid of each other, afraid to talk, afraid to be called a name. And it's if our courtrooms no longer serve their purpose, then the fabric of our how our government is set up it, 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 it is completely eradicated. Well, yeah. It, we rely on citizens being able to use like reasoning and, and rationality and, and make decisions on evidence and come together and discuss them. And you can't even talk anymore. And by the way, I, I'm not suggesting that this is one sided. That it's only there's people who try to get on the jury on the defense side and then they won't talk. I'm sh there's it, it works the other way too. I'm sure that there's people in deliberations that say, I'm not sending this family or these people away without money. I don't I don't care. That company's got it, and these people need it. It it goes both ways. I'm sure. You know why why does Congress exist? It exists because we know that people disagree about things. That's yeah. why it exists. And the idea is that it's going to be a place to compromise. And the same thing for the jury room. That's why it exists, is that we figure people are going to disagree with each other. And it might it might be worth, maybe not in this episode, we probably need some better data, but what are some good techniques to get people to get their temperature down a little bit and talk to each other? You know, what, what would be a good technique or maybe what can we say on Vardar that might prepare them to go in and somebody, somebody in there's going to be snarly, maybe a third of them, like, you know, you're finding in your cases where there's no conversation. Everyone's afraid to talk and they, they team up yeah. and then nothing gets done. There must be. I, I, Eric, I cannot think of any way to address this except just very long, rigorous voir dire where all you're trying to do is try to find the people who. We're never going to find in your favor before they left the house that morning. Yeah, on both sides. On both on sides. Both yeah, sides. both sides. And, you know, that that happened in the last case I tried where, you know, I had two panel members who both said, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm with you, <laughs> you know, on the case. I mean, not, not sorry, but we were asking about, you know, who who feels strongly one way or another. But I think most people in, in Vordire are open and honest about it it's not i don't think it's that they're intentionally trying to withhold stuff i think people don't like public speaking is the big problem yeah and they'd rather just you know there are 80 people in the room and only 12 are going to get picked and they figure you know i'll just sit in the corner and keep my hand down but you got again to tell but yeah and and i think yeah. that's the key the key is had we if we were given if we spent more time and and had more individual one-on-one -on -one, you know questions with them i think they'd open up a little more but you know, again, you got 80 people and, and, and time is an issue for everybody. I mean, you don't want to overdo it time-wise. The court doesn't want you to overdo it time-wise. But I think that's really the only the only thing I can think of is, is uh, you know, more time for, for, for meaningful vordire. My, my, my thought is, look, if, if anybody is, is even a question mark 
about they about, should be you know, they, they should right they're, what's the downside i mean there are other people there ready to take their place i don't think there's any such thing as rehabilitation once somebody has expressed and there's disagreement about that amongst the courts and obviously amongst the sides but once somebody has very clearly expressed an opinion that will affect their ability to judge the case, you should not be able to rehabilitate them by saying the court is you're under oath and the court's going to give you instructions to follow the law. Are you saying you won't be fair? Oh, I'll be fair. They still said the thing they said. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had anybody ever in in ever say that they're not fair. Yeah. Can't be fair. Yeah. No, nope, I won't be fair. Right. <laughs> if that's the standard, just Climb into the box, the first twelve, and <laughs> yeah. and let's let's take a shot and see what happens. I'm wondering, I'm wondering out loud whether there's something that uh, an attorney, both attorneys, can do to prepare the jurors who might otherwise just team up and dig in to not think of people who disagree with them as the enemy that can't be negotiated with, which is happening in the wider society, but to just let them know there's uh, you know you're all citizens and we value your voices and this is going to happen that's what's supposed to happen back there and it might be uncomfortable but this is the process and it's a safe place it really is a safe place to disagree with each other um you know eric that's a great that's a great suggestion to because they they need to talk they need to compromise that's the we're seeing the same thing on the floors of congress you know where people are you know holding up whatever you know, they're uh, not talking about what the hearing is about. It's all yeah. just attack. I, I was. Did you see the video of the junior senator from Oklahoma recently engaging in challenging a Teamsters union head to a fight? Like they were there to talk about labor and and the effect of unionization. We don't need to get into all that. And the the conservative junior senator from Oklahoma was standing up and challenging the Teamsters guy witness to a physical fight and Bernie Sanders well, had to know. go you are a United States senator we're not challenging witnesses to fights well you know that's 200, 200 years ago it would have been a duel yeah okay sure so whatever <laughs> there's an organization called braver angels which intentionally draws people from different sides of the spectrum puts them in the same room they present them with a mediator to work with them to let them keep their temperature down and to entertain you know, the bits of the other side that do make sense to you and to get a conversation going. But, you know, we can't have a mediator in a juror room, yeah. but it almost sounds like, you know, ideally you would have somebody in there going, you know, someone who's totally neutral, who just is there to make sure that every, everyone doesn't take it personally and tries to stay on track and no ad hominems and accusations and name calling. But I just we've don't see that ever point. happening. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to put somebody that isn't on the jury in the jury room. To then report to the judge and try to mediate dispute. They're going to get attacked. Yeah. yeah, I'm here to teach you or help you talk to each other. Um, hopefully the people in there can self-police. I mean, they've been doing it for years, for decades. And it, I bet it's been ugly all you know, all through the years. There's, there's been ugly jury yeah. arguments uh, where there's been accusations. But they come out of it with a decision somehow, and much more we, than they are now. We can't. Now, we increasingly cannot. Or, Tim, like you suggested that yesterday... We could go to a just a simple majority. I mean, I was I think for for civil cases, the standard is more likely than not. Right. Why is it just to have an odd number of jurors and it's a simple majority? Why can't we do that? I mean, I know one side of the spectrum absolutely is going to oppose that because it will lead to more verdicts in the plaintiff's favor, probably. But 
I think that makes sense, and it's going to have to be considered if we continue to just have, like, repeated deadlocked so, jury. you know, you mentioned earlier about statistics. Are there, What are there? Are there some statistics in civil cases about how many are deadlocked? I, I don't, I'm sure we can find it. I'm sure there are studies being done about it, probably currently. I have another question for you. I, I don't remember this. Are the, the alternates are usually excused when the case first goes back for deliberations, right? Usually. Maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe they should be kept. And if there are reports that there are jurors who are unwilling to engage in deliberations, the court should have the discretion to excuse them and put an alternate in. Yeah. So how does that work? The alternates, can an alternate be added and, and have and missed a day of deliberations? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's not evidence. It's just deliberations. It's not. It's deliberations. They go back and then they start talking through all the issues again, but... And it would have to be, I don't know, a majority of the jurors would have to let the judge know they feel that they're, this juror is unwilling to actually deliberate. And I think it's something that needs to be considered. And then more alternates, because our judicial system will not work if we cannot reach verdicts when we try cases. Dockets will just never. Cases won't settle. Deliberations. To deliberate, to discuss, to reach some compromise— that's been, you know, that's that's a problem for, for us generally in society, and it's, you know, seems to be becoming a problem in the in the uh, jury room. Yeah. I'm looking at some statistics from, I think this is 20 years ago. It's hard to tell, but in criminal cases, it was 8 or 10 percent on juries. Back in criminal? In criminal. And that's, back that's unanimous. Right. When was that, Eric? I, I'm, it's not clear, but I'm guessing from some of the citations, it might be about 20 years old. See, that's not surprising to me, like 20 years old, that there would be that high a percentage in criminal with unanimous. I bet it is significantly higher now, especially with how people feel on different ends of the spectrum about police oh, yeah. who are crucial to any criminal trial. And if a police officer is testifying, there are some that are, no matter what they say, they're going to go with what the police officer said. And others who, like, just aren't going to listen to anything that a police officer said. And I said the rates in criminal trials have skyrocketed. And that's expecting a lot to think that the Vordire process will locate all of those people. Yeah. You might knock some of them out of there who have preconceptions. Like, some people will say, I will always vote to let the defendant go because the criminal justice system is totally unfair. But what will they say in Vordire? And how do you tell if they're just trying to get, the, get in there to do their social justice? Or on the other side, you know, we, we need to put all of these people away. Yeah. You know, same thing on the other side. Imagine federal court where it's you, you need unanimous in a civil case. You get 20 minutes and you get to do 20, 20. Yeah, right, 15, get 20 minutes to do a dire. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, does everybody still live in Missouri? Great. You know, well, I mean, that's you see a significantly higher percentage of defense verdicts in federal court than you do in state courts. That's just a fact. You do not you do not get an opportunity to utilize your client's constitutional right to a fair and impartial jury because you don't get a chance to question them extensively. And, and think about this. Think about when we when we question panels, you know, at length in, in civil cases in state court and we're able to, I mean, the last case that, that Johnny and I tried, we, we had 27, 26 oh. or 27 members of the jury, of the panel, you know, the, the, the jury panel, and who, who, based on a single fact in our case, there was a fact in our case, 
wouldn't be able to consider any of the claims that we were presenting. Yeah. I mean, 26 out of whatever it was, 80, I think a 26 out of 80 or 25 out of 80. And if we, so in other words, if we had not been allowed to conduct a more in-depth board, if we, if we'd been given a 15 minute board dire, what kind of, we, we and you spent like right. two hours on that one issue. Yes. Yeah, right. Cause yeah. you had to, but no, you can see it. And I just, I kind of just shake my head when, you know, you're given 15 minutes in, in federal court to do a voir dire. And, and I know from experience that a third of those people will, will, will never consider my client's claims based upon what, you know, what they're thinking about when they left their house. You know, they're just not going to do it. I, I know that from experience. Right. Can I put the two of you yeah. on the spot? Let's assume, you know, you're used to being put on the spot in court. What might you say to the jurors to encourage them and you guys are going to feel maybe abused by your fellow citizens. There's going to be maybe some harsh words and some, you know, strong disagreements in there. But I need you to hang in there. And I think it's about, about respect. Just respect. And actually, you know, the hammer instruction has some language in there about respecting other people's opinions. Well, there isn't and, an approach instruction. Which the, the one that's the there's there's one in the common law, one from one of the cases. Yeah. That's the one that I think we used in the last case. Yeah. And uh, t- take a look at that language. It's pretty good language, and that's how I would I would start out with that in in Vordire, just to mention, you know, or, or even ask people, are you the kind of person who, once you believe in something, you're locked in and you're not, you know, or not, you're, you're not, you're not going to change your mind. You but know? that's trying to get people off. Or just ask them who won the last election. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I personally think. That is a perfectly valid question at this point in time. Are you willing to consider evidence in reaching a conclusion or like forming an opinion? That's a basis to exclude someone. Yeah, right. No, evidence is not a thing for me. Yeah. It's just not a thing for me. I just kind of have a gut feeling about things in general. Yeah. And who I think should I, win and I prevail. don't care what anybody on the witness stands. And facts don't really have that. That whole evidence thing really doesn't doesn't phase me that much. I had I had a trial in the South in a rural venue. It was a it was a case Johnny and I tried a few years ago. It was a Melfat Peace Wheel case. And I mean the evidence was like devastatingly. We we had issues with our clients' degree of injuries and malingering, I think. But the the liability evidence in the case was like devastatingly bad for the defendant. The corporate rep like made admissions it was defective and it killed people and they shouldn't be selling it. And the defense lawyer in close got up and phrased it appropriately, but essentially invited the jury to, you know, you can you can think about the what what Mr. Cronin got witnesses on the stand to say, but you know, I don't think he I you know, I'm from the north. I was a carpetbagger coming down to the south. He I just don't think he understands what it's like down here and you can use your common sense and I objected and said, "Judge, the attorney just invited them to ignore all of the evidence. Right. And she went, it's closing argument. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then just, we lost. Yeah. Just, you know, that, that whole trial thing, just, yeah, just, just that, that whole trial thing. Don't worry about yeah. that. Just concentrate on these instructions. I was looking, Eric, this might be an old one. I like the language, though. Duty to deliberate. It's the Allen charge. I like this. I think they might have gotten rid of this approved instruction. This one we're looking at is 10.02. 10.02. Supplemental instructions, and there did you, I knew there used to be an Allen charge instruction in the tens, and tens are now the punitive instructions. I think aren't they? I think so. Damages. So this is gone, but there is one from case law, and I 
or, or you can find some from other states. I don't remember what our judge did in the one at Clay County across the state a couple of years ago. I don't, she had one that she said, this is what I'm going to read. And we said, okay, you guys crafted one in your case recently, right? I'll, I'll read two sentences out of this, in, in, you know, for what it's worth. In the course of your deliberations, you should not hesitate to re-examine your own views and to change your opinion if you are convinced it is wrong. To bring 12 minds to a unanimous result, you must examine the questions submitted to you openly and frankly with proper regard for the opinions of others and with a willingness to re-examine your own views. So Yeah, but nobody's going to do that. Yeah, but everyone goes, that's good we, for other yeah, people. You do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't you hear that instruction? You do it. I don't yeah. need to do it. You do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's just not the war. Increasingly, people are exposed to being told, no, you don't have to do that. You shouldn't do it. You're being tricked by the academic. Like, use your gut. That's how we. That's what we need to get back to. So I don't know. I don't really have a solution for it. I think we should go to majority rules, jury decisions. Or we could just present the case and have each of them vote on their way out. Yeah, so individually. Right. <laughs> Drop their ballot Secret in a box. Ballot. Right. Secret ballot. Well, sure. We can continue to express our frustrations about this. If anybody has any any solutions or thoughts on this, feel free to reach out to us. We can bring it back up at another time. But this has been another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Tim Cronin. I'm Eric Feith. I'm John Simon. We'll see you next time. The Jury Is Out is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with John, Tim, and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning. <laughs>